politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our life, liberty, property, humanity, and all that matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today for Tuesday, avoiding the trap, avoiding the false narratives, avoiding the soap opera. Uh, For those who actually want to focus on the big picture issues, we got big problems, (laughs) big problems. We have the most disgusting, licentious, evil, governing class globally in human history when you mix it together with the technology and capability and consolidated control that they have. Money, food, healthcare, energy, quality of life, basic human dignity and liberties. It's all on the line. And right now, it's not like, hey, they might do this. Right now, they have... All of the irons in the fire they need to implement this unless we take an active approach to disrupt it. Absent that, we're screwed. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't get the memo. Trump wasn't arrested today, as we all knew. There was no indictment issued. There was no bench warrant issued or, you know, any warrant issued. So does that mean we could actually talk about the issues today or do I have to... Service the man. Trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Okay, fine. All right, we got that out of the way. Um, Last week, at the beginning of the week, we talked about the fact that this banking crisis is a lot more than Silicon Valley. This is about all of banking, and it's not just about banking. It's about money, but it's not just about money. It's about the ability of our government, but then really working with all of the global governments from you know Europe to Japan, working in tandem to create economic transformation without representation using unelected central banks propped up by global governments to become the judge, jury, and executioner of the entire economy because money makes the world go around. And then use that economic transformation, which is bad enough because you make it that no middle-income family could live with dignity, live with self-sufficiency, because you create artificial asset bubbles, artificial monopolies, artificial shortages in an effort to tinker and play God with the natural business cycle. They create a living hell, but then use that to create social transformation without representation Two equal, uh, equally bad vices. We have a big problem. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? I mean, we, we have big questions. What are we going to do about healthcare? Trillions upon trillions of dollars, basically for sick care to get us sick. Big vexing questions. What do you do when you have a controlled opposition party for fifty years, and you come into this? We we need plans and answers on big issues and if and if the answer is there is no answer then we need a plan to kind of evacuate from that with some sort of some degree of national divorce but some people just don't seem to want to broach this and they're just happy with a man putting out porn like social media posts being a disgusting human being i mean there's one thing if 
he had answers to all this and actually governed properly, but was a douchebag. So, all right, I'd put up with it. But it's all Trump all the time. All Trump all the time. Anyway, we have a great sponsor that we've renewed with this year. Um, I'm not a very jealous person. I don't care about what other people do, except for when it comes to lawns. I look over and I see someone has a great lawn. I'm like, man, I wish I can get my lawn looking like that. Uh, But often it takes forever. Fast-growing trees has the answer for you. Okay, I just got my order. You go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. They have plant experts to curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant shrubs and bushes, tree varieties, uh, for you, your unique climate, um, Mayor lemons to evergreens to everything in between, happy plants make happy homes, right? But sometimes it's hard to know which plants will grow best. So they have their fastgrowingtrees.com again. You can get customized recommendations based on your specific needs, and boom, it gets mailed to you. So you don't have to wait online, you know, those Sundays at, at Lowe's, and, and then the quality isn't, isn't nearly as good. And then uh, you you drive it home, it spills in your car, you get all the soil on your car, the tree gets decapitated, it comes straight to your door. Mine came like in a couple days, beautiful quality, ground cover, usually when you buy ground cover, it just kind of looks like green, it's budding with flowers, everything. Uh, I waited a couple days because it got into the 20s here, Um, but now it, it, it looks like it's safe to grow for the rest of the week. Um, we also actually got a key lime bush indoors. They have indoor stuff as well, which is very healthy for the air inside of your home. And Fast Growing Trees is a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. Um, so everything looks great. And you don't, you know, I so many years I've gotten things like, like I bought an azalea bush from, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or one of these things, and and like it just never grew. So they have a 30-day guarantee. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. Doesn't get easier than that. To get 15% off your entire order, again, 15% off your entire order at fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. Enjoy your piece of the American dream, your land, while you still have it. And folks, it's not easy to get land. It's not easy to buy a home anymore. And all of that is because there is no natural order of things. I'm saying even if you even if you take out all of the crazy fiscal policy, the things Congress has done and the president has done and the states have done with endless debt and and subsidies and regulations, we, we don't have a free economy. But even if you didn't have any of that stuff, just what the Federal Reserve has done alone and Mind you, it's unelected representation is a bigger threat to our quality of life and liberty than anything around. Anything around. And yet there's no direction. Every time there's like a shooting or some sort of crisis, the left immediately comes with what? A policy demand and outcome goal that they are ready to achieve, and they have a plan right away to push. We never have that. This should be the perfect time to show people how at the expense of the working class, they go and bail out the wealthy, create asset bubbles, make funny money, create inflation, create a banking monopoly, all to control our lives. 
it's time to either end the Fed or end their ability to play around with the economy and print money and to just focus on a stable currency. It's called Humphrey Hawkins of 1978. That needs to be repealed. So we were told there was no bailout. But indeed, there was a bailout. Last week, banks borrowed $164.8 billion from the Federal Reserve. Because there's this huge liquidity crisis affecting the security of deposits across regional banks. It's not just one or two banks. It's everywhere. For comparison, during the worst phase of the 2008 financial crisis, banks tapped $110 billion. So even if you adjust for inflation, it's a little bit less. So we're overshooting the 2008 financial crisis in terms of tapping what's called the discount window of the Fed. That's where they give uh, you know very short-term loans. So after a brief hiatus of less than a year of this quantitative tightening, we're now back into the era of printing more money. But let's let's review how we got here. It was the most disastrous economic policy in American history, pushed, promoted, and championed by the big man. March, literally this week, 2020, between Trump, Congress, and the Federal Reserve, they injected trillions of fiscal stimulus, artificially lowering interest rates to near zero, and grew the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve by printing money by $4.7 trillion, obviously created an insane asset bubble in housing with mortgage-backed securities. Now, this would have caused insurmountable inflation, even if it was used to invest in World War II-level infrastructure. But we didn't. Remember Mitch McConnell at the time? Oh, this is like a World War II-level investment. No, it wasn't. We invested in a shutdown. So, so what happened was we flushed money. See, if we would have flushed money down the toilet... $9 trillion, we would have been better off. But we flushed it into undergirding, forget about the tyranny and the, the life and liberty part. We're talking about the property economy part today, you know, because life and liberty doesn't matter. But in creating the worst supply chain shortage we've ever had that we're feeling to this day. Well, I mean, I'm no economist, but I always thought the basic definition of inflation was too much money chasing too few goods. So they created more money ever and created a greater shortage of goods than ever. Oh, we have an inflation crisis. Biden inflation. No, you schmucks. This all happened in 2020. I mean, Biden, you know, continued it. But I'm sick of hearing about this. This all happened under the anointed one. The man who can do no wrong. The Messiah. So then what happened was last year in response to the inflation that the Federal Reserve created, so they acted like a drunk truck driver driving over an open bridge on a windy day, these, you know, tr- turning the wheel in one direction, and then they suddenly turned in the other direction, and within a half a year, they quickly raised it from near zero to whatever, you know, 45 4.75% interest rates. So now that dried up the money supply very quickly, and then they offloaded some of their printing, so they had a nearly $9 trillion balance sheet, they offloaded $600 billion of it, so it choked off the spigot, causing capital shortages. 
So they went from record, you know, deposits. Banks were flush with cash, flooded with cash in 2020, to, you know, the fact that they were below par. A lot of them. And then now the feds are turning the wheel back again, panicked by this, and they printed $300 billion overnight. $300 billion overnight. So this, this is where we are. And none of this is approved by Congress. And by the way, all of this is while we are operating under a statutorily um, met debt limit. We, we've broached the debt, debt limit. But it doesn't matter. They, they, <laughs> there's no rule of law. So I'm not even talking about the stupid things that Congress passed, the worst legislation ever. I'm just talking about these are all things they do without Congress. Now, you might say Congress gave them years ago um, basically a broad brush to socially engineer the economy. And that's kind of that 1978 bill that we need to repeal. But the point is, a lot of things were done originally by Congress. They delegated the authority and we have no representation. So, $300 billion is a lot of money. Remember, TARP was only $700 billion. And, and they're not done, not by a long shot. They are not done, I'm telling you. This is, we're just getting started, and I want to get to that in a minute. First, while we have this financial crisis and supply chain shortage, guess, guess what? Chief Ph- Pharmacy Officer of Utah... Aaron Fox warned we're in a really frustrating situation right now where patients may be going to the pharmacy counter and not being able to fill prescriptions. It's because of exactly what we're talking about. It's also because they they want you to die. Nuclear war on life, liberty, and property. We literally have a government that's more terroristic than the worst Islamic terrorists that I worried about for 15 years. But anyway... Take your own health in your own hands by going to jacemedical.com, filling out a questionnaire to get a valid prescription from their licensed physicians, and you will get a pack mailed to you pretty quickly of five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use to have on hand from doxycycline to azithromycin amoxicillin. You should be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones during this time of the Fourth Reich, so use promo code REVIEW to get a special discount on your purchase Again, promo code review at jacemedical.com. So, folks, here's the deal. They didn't, they're not even communicating with us what they're doing. Oh, yeah, we just had some little thing with the bank. No, they guaranteed all the bank deposits well above the 250000 FDIC threshold. They're clearly going to lower rates again. And they bought $300 billion overnight, and banks already you know, borrowed half of that. But here's, here's the reality. This is much bigger. Much, much bigger. Some of you might have heard about this, but this very historic Swiss bank, Credit Suisse, I believe it was the only bank of its type in the world that did not get a bailout in 2008. That's how strong they were. They were basically collapsed and rescued by UBS, its competitor. But UBS itself only was able to do it because the Swiss government and the Swiss National Bank gave them a ton of cash. And then they wrote off $17 billion of AT1 bonds, you know, basically becoming worthless that people held. USA Today reports that 186 more banks are at risk for failure. Which, guess what? What does that do? 
What does that do? Whenever, whenever government, including the Federal Reserve, unnaturally distort the market, unnaturally lower rates, then unnaturally raise them back and forth and back and forth, who gets harmed by that most? Those that don't have the economies of scale to deal with the overextending of capital and then artificial tightening of it that the Federal Reserve created. So everyone's taking their money out of the banks, community banks, regional banks, and they're going to J.P. Morgan, Chase, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America, a couple others. You see what's happening here. Same thing that happened in food, and certainly the same thing that happened in healthcare. So while central banks around the world induce massive inflation, the endless market tinkering by central banks and governments will result in the same cycle it always does. Consolidating market share into smaller and smaller monopolies at the top of the food chain. And guess what? I mean, because we, 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 we saw this really with the death of so many credit unions after the bank bailouts. But now this is going to finish off the rest of them. And you'll be left with essentially like we have in health insurance. What do we have? Five insurers? You know, like Aetna and United Health. There's a handful of them. This is what you're going to have. And increasingly, they're going to allow the smaller ones to fail while guaranteeing the larger ones. And what does that do? Well, you can implement, makes it easier to implement both ESG and implement, you get you got it, a central bank digital currency. You have fewer options reserved to elite institutions that they strategically channel their policies that somehow they always benefit from it. The Federal Reserve is the biggest single engine for woke capitalism and the growth of government. The entire purpose of the Fed is to grow woke and weaponized government on the cheap without people feeling it directly with tax increases. And then they create asset bubbles and artificial monopolies on behalf of their well-connected investors while screwing the rest of us. And yet... Aside from Thomas Massey and a handful of people, Republicans are fine with this. I told you, the, the, you know, I mean, the Senate Republicans for sure, but even the House Republicans. The financial services chairman from North Carolina, he, uh, he's totally fine with this. Good job. Thank you for reassuring us. How is this okay? This is beyond social. It's venture socialism, but it's not even Congress doing it. You have no control over it. I've always struggled with how do you deal with a government that is stage five cancer and there's so many things like what, what do you target? What is that force multiplier? What is the one policy we could pursue that if we expended all of our energy and messaging and political capital into pushing one thing, where would it get the most bang for its buck? And honestly, I really do believe the only way to force the brinkmanship is to end the Federal Reserve's ability to do this. Repeal Humphrey Hawkins. 
I want to explain in a moment, but first, one of the things we can do is support those that support this show, support our values, and force this parallel economy that we really need. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, they understand that it's very hard to change You know, when you're more or less happy with the service, but you just don't like their values. Well, now you can get dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks, except you're just paying Patriot Mobile. And the offer coverage guarantee, if you don't like it, you can switch back. All of this, plus the knowledge that you're supporting free speech, sanctity of life, marriage, and the Second Amendment, and everything we support. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call them right now at 878-PATRIOT, you can get free activation with offer code CR. You will be guaranteed to speak to an English-speaking, U.S.-based customer service team that makes it so easy, and boom, you get off the phone, you're no longer funding those who hate you. So again, patriotmobile.com slash CR, 878-PATRIOT, with offer code CR. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. So folks, the biggest problem economically in terms of everything, and this is not just a balance sheet, like, okay, why we have so much debt and debt is a number. This is at its core why we are living in the predicament we are living with today. Why we have green energy fascism destroying our liberty and quality of life and prosperity. Why we have inflation. Why we have depressed wages. Why we have a centrally managed economy. Why we have COVID COVID fascism. Heck, why we have illegal aliens. All of this stuff is predicated on one point. One point. See, if you want to go and take away all, like, all the welfare and all the dependency, I'll never forget like, you know, when I was doing analysis for, for different publications and candidates during the Tea Party era, and we were looking like, oh my gosh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I watched all those videos of Ross Perot and then, you know, Gingrich in the 94-95 era warning about the growth of government dependency. And we looked at 2011 and 2010, that era was, oh my gosh, after Obama's first two years, the numbers of people on Medicaid and food stamps and housing, it was insane. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm this old, I've got, got a little bit more gray hair, i got four kids since then, and here we are, and I would die to go back to Obama-era levels, the bank bailout levels. Of dependency. It's just insane. And it, and it grew insanely throughout Trump's tenure. And he signed all those bills. And, and just keep that in mind when you're comparing the magnitude of this financial crisis relative to 2008. Our debt is more than three times the size. So you're dealing with this much of a of a problem, the debt is three times the size, the Fed's balance sheet is near record highs, much larger, personal debt is much larger, mortgage debt is much larger. Everything is worse than it was at that time. It had its unique elements, but we are headed for a much worse crisis, except this time we're going to have inflation along with it. 
that we didn't have then. This is how bad it is. But folks, all of this comes from one issue. One issue that that we've all forgotten about. The Federal Reserve's ability to print money on the cheap and grow every aspect of government that's killing us. You see, an interesting thing happened. We used to have more or less constitutional government. Government had a federal government had a very small imprint in our lives. It changed to a degree under FDR and a, uh, to a large degree relative to pre-FDR, which was nothing, because there we were pretty much following the Constitution. But again, we would die to go back to FDR era levels. But then, you know, really gradually with the Great Society under LBJ, is where people like Reagan and Goldwater. We're warning like, whoa, 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 government is growing way too big. And that's when the tax issue became a big issue. Because the notion was that if you limit taxes, well, then you starve the beast. And then, you know, you can't spend what you don't have. And we're done. And indeed, in one of the few successful things that the Republicans ever did, starting with Reagan, but really going through the present, they lower taxes. All the red states lower taxes. The federal government lower taxes. And the tax burden is really a fraction of where it was. But like with everything, the left, they adapt. They don't focus on one shiny object like we do. We focus on one person, one issue, one strategy. They're like, all right, that's fine. They started to use the central bank, the Federal Reserve increasingly in the 80s, 90s, and then just certainly in the 2000s as a tool to implement what they couldn't implement through tax revenue. And that's where the printing of money and the deficit spending grew to the next level and the next level and the next level. And now it's just biblical. So now it doesn't matter. And it was a brilliant strategy. Because unlike Europeans, I mean, you go to a country like France, you'll have people earning, you know, $100,000, $110,000, paying marginal rates of 45% of their income, and you don't have all these tax deductions and credits. Especially after we, you know, doubled our child tax credit and things like that. They are acculturated to a high tax burden. But Americans are not. Americans are not. I mean, it, you know, they're really not. And the only people who pay a significant amount in taxes, they earn enough off of this fake economy that they kind of write it off. It doesn't bother them. Again, I'm not saying that no one pays too much in taxes. I'm not trying to write that down. But I'm saying in general, we've been acculturated that. So if you would, ha- if you would have to raise taxes exponentially to cover what they're doing, which, which they would have to do, they would literally have to have confiscatory levels of taxation and then you would only get that for one year because you would choke off the economy to cover the difference. That's what they would have to do now. And certainly what they did with COVID. They could have never done that. Everything they're doing is enabled by the Federal Reserve. That allows them to service the debt on the cheap. Remember, they were able to take what should have been at least trillion dollar per year interest on debt payments 
and for many years made it 200, 250 billion. That's what they do. That is the force multiplier of venture socialism, of woken weaponized government, of the Fourth Reich. Everything they're doing, the green energy scam, the COVID scam, giving endless money to Pfizer. They do, if the money ain't there, they can't do it. The people would, see, the people are still like, oh, this is great. I love all the money. Yeah, because they don't have to pay for it. Now, they are. Gradually, the inflation finally hit home. But for many years, until COVID, they were really able to keep this show going. The world's reserve currency. So the U.S. had that ability to do what most other countries couldn't do. And they got away with it. And it was the way, and everyone loved it. Trump loved it. Because he didn't have to raise taxes, got what he wanted. You know, you know. Let, let me let me play this clip here. People have forgotten this. This was March twenty third, twenty twenty, almost to the date when Jerome Powell, who is by the way Trump's guy, that socialist, embarked in in trillions of dollars of printing money, increasing the Fed's balance sheet out of nowhere, out of thin air. Here's what he had to say. Three years ago. I have spoken to so many people. and I'm turned on the spigot today. What? Are you happy with the Fed now that he's turned on the spigot? I am happy with him, yes. I, I think he's, uh, I really think he's uh, caught up and he's done the right thing. And I think ultimately uh, we will be rewarded because of the decision he made over the last. He's really stepped up over the last week. And I have to tell you, I called him today and I said, Jerome, good job. You really did it. It might be. He was, you know, a, a little bit slower than I would have liked in the sense of what he was doing. Now, other people might have liked it. Uh, but today I called up Jerome Powell and I said, uh, Jerome, you've done a really good job. I was proud of him. I was that took courage. And ultimately, you're going to see the fruits. Now, he's not finished. I mean, he's got other uh, arrows in the quiver or whatever they say. I will tell you, he's got plenty of arrows but um no i'm very happy with the job he did so folks his only criticism was that he didn't do this quickly enough yeah he was slower than i would have liked but i was proud plenty of more arrows in his quiver and indeed they use them and we will be rewarded we will be rewarded how does this man even raise his head to even run for the nomination after that Every Republican, Biden and Flathen and Flathen, you freaks caused it. His only concern was that Jerome Powell didn't do enough. It's pathetic. He's the biggest elitist around. He loves that. He loves the Federal Reserve. It's the funniest thing. This man fashions himself after Andrew Jackson. Okay? Andrew Jackson's tour de force was fighting the central bank, the creation of a national bank. In his um, veto message in 1832 on rechartering the bank. So it passed the Senate and the House overwhelmingly. Passed the Senate 28 to 20, the House 141 to 72. Um, and no, no, passed the House 107 to 85 on July 3rd, 1832. 
because many Northern Democrats joined with the anti-Jacksonians, even though Jackson was a Democrat and supporting the recharter. But then Jackson vetoed it. And he convinced a lot of people, and they could they barely mustered a simple majority, much less of a supermajority, and failed to override. And here is his, the famous paragraph from Jackson's veto message. And I think it's beautifully articulated because we, we talked about this before, the difference between free market populism and Bernie Sanders populism, which some want to take us in that direction. Populism is an end to itself. Just throw money at the white working class, throw money, throw regulations, this, that. No, we're, we're all for meritocracy. We're all for people getting rich and unequal outcomes, which you will always have. But what we're against is the unconstitutional government, growing government in order to do that. In order to do that. So the same way the fascists use fiscal policy to redistribute from the rich to the poor, which is unconstitutional and immoral and imprudent, they use the central banks to do the opposite. And they're two sides of the same coin. They're both forms of venture socialism and are wrong. It's a very mature message, and here it is. It is to be regretted that the rich and powerful too often bend the acts of government to their selfish purposes. Distinctions in society will always exist under every just government. Equality of talents, of education, or of wealth cannot be produced by human institutions. So again, he wasn't being a Bernie Sanders. He recognized that. In the full enjoyment of the gifts of, the, of heaven and the fruits of superior industry, economy, and virtue, every man is equally entitled to protection by law. But when the laws undertake to add to these natural and just advantages, artificial distinctions, to grant titles, gratuities, and exclusive privileges to make the rich richer and the potent more powerful, the humble members of society, the farmers, mechanics, and laborers who have neither the time nor the means of securing like favors to themselves have a right to complain of the injustice of their government. There are no necessary evils in government. I want you to listen, listen to that again. There are no necessary evils in government. Its evils exist only in its abuses. Right, because you have necessary evils of natural law. There's no necessary evil of government. It, its evils exist only in its abuses. If it would confine itself to equal protection, and as heaven does it, its reigns, shower its favors alike on the high and the low, the rich and the poor, it would be an unqualified blessing. In the act before me, there seems to be a wide and unnecessary departure from these just principles. And he vetoed it. That's the articulation of free market populism that we need. Let it rain from heaven. Let it go. And that's the thing. See, you have a natural business cycle of creative destruction. You need to prune the dead wood. You need some degree of contraction to, in the long run, have net growth. We've stagnated for so long. right? We've never achieved a quarter of 3% growth GDP for a generation. Now, I now I, I qualify that because I know we've vacillated back and forth since COVID with some um, 
quarter is where we did, but I'm discounting that. It's an asterisk. You can't use that because COVID flushed it out. We contracted 20, 30%. So yeah, on the, on the rebound of that, we grew, but, but that's not organic. You know, once you, have an e- once you reach equilibrium, we will never grow 3%. That's over with. It's permanent lethargy because you have the government coming in to rescue every last thing and prevent every last creative destruction. All you have is a perpetual managed economy. But I'm telling you, putting aside the economic stuff, but the woke and weaponized government could not survive without the Federal Reserve's mandate. You take that out of the equation. The only way they could do this is to make people feel the pain. Because I'll tell you this much, people aren't feeling the pain enough. And that includes our own voters. They have too much time for vanity, for Fox News and Trump, and the latest soap opera. All about him. We have no serious thinkers. But it's worse than that. I don't need some sort of egghead serious thinker. We don't have people with a heart. I think because I feel. I'm constantly racking my brains. We got to do better. We got to do better. Because again, even what I'm talking about, what I propose, I will admit is small ball relative to what we need to do. You got to have achievable goals, and I'm not sure how to achieve certain things given, given the lack of movement we have. But if you feel the pain of what has happened, and, and we've talked a lot about life and liberty, and I'm going to go back to that tomorrow. We'll have a special guest talking about the origins of the biomedical terrorism state and statute. But just of economy, that you now have people. Let's say you're a family. You don't want welfare. You don't want handouts. You want to work hard. You cannot live a dignified life without government handouts. You can't. It's entirely rigged against you. They have made every aspect of life artificially too expensive for people below a certain income threshold to live without handouts. You try getting health care. They destroyed healthcare. But this is what it is. It all gets back to the Federal Reserve. Any candidate who doesn't run on ending the Fed's ability to print money, I'm just using that as shorthand for all this stuff, they're not worth a bucket of spit. They're pathetic. And I think we already know where the big man stands, although he's apt to change his position at any time. And no one questions that. No one makes any demands. He must comment on anything, any policy that were destroyed over that resulted from his administration. And by the way, DeSantis freaking said yesterday, and then his staff clarified, I will not participate in any any extradition. Again, not that they're doing it, not that the NYPD is was ever going to go down and somehow break the security perimeter of Secret Service. It would have to be done with some sort of agreement that would not involve DeSantis. But he said, if that would ever come to that, I you know I'm not I'm not going to do it. Not enough. Not enough. What the f do you want him to say? What the hell? And then and then the irony is, 
what got mi- mi- missed in all the shuffle is what are we talking about today? The conflation of central bank tinkering of our economy, destroying of our economy, creating inflation, growing woke and weaponized government, then creating a monopoly that they could then have force us into ESG and central digital bank currency. He created a state compact on ESG, and yesterday he announced that he is um, pushing a bill in Florida that will preemptively ban the central digital bank currency. And somehow that's, that's, not, that's not good enough. That, that doesn't matter. No matter how many issues he leads on, it doesn't matter. Service Trump. And no matter how many issues Trump screws us on, it doesn't matter. His character, the disgusting things he's saying to him. And again, this is not about DeSantis. It's about, are we okay with that behavior? Daniel, we got to beat the Democrats. Okay, we're not talking about that. It's not a general election. Okay, this is not a general election choice. We are okay with that sort of behavior. Again, and it would be one thing if he was great at governing. But he supports the worst elements of what got us here. And, and by the way, you know, I just want to say to close the loop on what we talked about yesterday. I myself immediately thought, I didn't think DeSantis owes it to him, but I thought like, yeah, you know, this would be a good way of stealing Trump's thunder and turning around on him. And say, you know, despite everything he did to him, finally making that statement. Again, there's nothing specifically here about Trump because it's a, it's a false narrative. But to kind of say, look, we're seeing J6ers. There's 1,200 more down the pipeline. I'm sure there's some from Florida. You know, if, if, if the attorney general determines that it's politically motivated on its face, you know, we're going to we're going to we're, we're not going to cooperate with extradition. Although that would be a little bit harder because that would be federal. And then, you know, the federal court, even state, ultimately, if, if DeSantis did this, oh, let, let's just say NYPD could somehow grab Trump. And again, it's not going to happen. But let's say they would. Ultimately, you'd get a federal a federal um, bench warrant. The, the feds would, the, the, the federal courts, in other words, it would, it would become an interstate dis- dispute and they might be able to directly take it to the Supreme Court. And they're going to say Florida has to deliver. I'm just going to tell you that. Now you'll say, well, Daniel, he should tell the courts to go to hell. Look, you know I agree with that. But really, we're, we're going to say DeSantis is a fraud. We're going to set the bar for him. He's done more than everyone put together in a generation. And we're going to say, you're a fraud unless you say, tell the courts to go to hell. I mean, I want to get to that point. But dude, come on. You can't put that all on his shoulders. But somehow with Trump, there's no expectations. Nothing. You know, I've had problems with my, my older son recently. You know, he's turning 13 and some issues and he's the oldest. And I keep telling him, look, do you want me to lower expectations for you? Do you want me to treat you like the eight-year-old? Do you want me to insult you by doing that? Or treating you like your age, that you're turning into a man. And it's like, there's zero expectations for this man. Zero. 
This has always been my problem. It's always been my problem. The Trump people did nothing new. They took what the phony conservative Inc. movement was doing for years with the Republican Party and the GOP establishment. They just did it with Trump. We said this with with Oz, who was another Trump endorsement, by the way. I was like, there's one thing in saying, I want him to win over the Democrat. But don't throw yourself at him. Say, look, if you want to get our vote, you're going to have to earn it. And demand policy outcomes. Demand he make statements. But no, 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 got to defeat the Democrat. The, 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 The Democrat, 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 Democrat. You know, Dennis Prager... He, he has this column out someone sent me in town hall. Memo to conservatives. You don't have to agree on everything, only on fighting the left. And he's basically like, let's not fight over Trump, not Trump. Let's not fight over Ukraine. Like, basically, issues don't matter. Just beat the left. But you're not beating the left. Because if you just do that, you get the Republican Party implementing the worst policies of the left on their tenure, including Trump. These people never learn for the rest of their wretched lives. Trump. Trump. No ideas. No desire to lead. Like, I'm just going to tell you. I didn't talk to anyone on the DeSantis team. But clearly they saw what Glenn Beck and I were putting out. That bill that started in South Dakota, but then we found that it was like in 20 other states, that the Uniform Commerce Code, which is very well respected, no one would question it. They had a, a line in there that was going to you know, ban cryptocurrency from being designated under the definition of money and made it clear that central bank digital currency could be money, but cryptocurrency could not, and that's a big problem. And boom, he talked about that at the press conference, the only one. The only governor that's said, I'm going to get ahead of that. And not only am I not going to, am I going to veto a bad provision, but I'm going to demand just a straight up unambiguous ban on this. By the way, it was funny. There's a Vivek Ashwami Laki. Again, like comes out of three seconds. I never heard of him, but then three seconds, he's on every Fox show. Is he a Trump plant or something? I mean, time will tell. If he never says anything bad about Trump, then I think we'll know that. Um, coward. But anyway... He's like, his new shtick is, so he'll say the sky is blue. So then anytime, and, and he he got into the race before anyone. So anyone who gets into the race now and says something, he took it from me. So they're all saying, DeSantis got this from me. Oh, yeah, no one was talking about central bank digital currency until you. Nobody. Um, he was talking about the UCC bill that you probably don't even know about. That was before any of us heard of you. Glenn Beck and I were talking about that. That's where he likely got it from. But the point is, you see that he listens to the movement. He listens to substance. He watches for it. When people of serious stature who care about policy flag something, he takes a look. He's like, oh, this is a problem. He pays attention. Use it. Again, a politician is a vehicle. The idea is not to get on any one politician's plantation. The idea is to get them on our plantation. That is the goal. That is the single biggest thing 
that people like Prager and that entire generation of baby boomers misses. Like, we just got to throw ourselves to the Republican Party to beat the, to beat the left. I'm sick of that. And now they're saying it even in primaries. Like, dude, we're not even at the point where you usually say that. So it's never a good time to do the right thing. But again, back to the banks. Thomas Jefferson said this in an 1816 letter to John Taylor. I sincerely believe with you that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies and that the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity under the name of funding is but swindling futurity on a large scale. He said to Albert Gallatin in 1803, the Bank of the United States is one of the most deadly hostilities existing against the principles and form of our Constitution. An institution like this penetrating by its branches every part of the Union, acting by command and in flanks, may in a critical moment upset the government. I deem no government safe which is under the vassalage of any self-constituted authorities or any other authority than that of the nation or its regular functionaries. In other words, every power has to flow indirectly from the people. You can't have these autonomous quasi-government entities. This is a fully government entity, but it's not accountable, just doing what it wants. What an obstruction could not this bank of the United States with all its branch banks be in time of war? It might dictate to us the peace we should accept or withdraw its aids. Ought we then to give further growth to an institution so powerful, so hostile? And and that's the issue. And by, by the way, it's no um, coincidence that Jefferson also was very much opposed to the concept of judicial supremacy. Again, an unelected branch, just social transformation without representation, economic transfer, tra- transformation without representation. This is the message we need to run on. And by the way, I think another great idea would be to have a state compact to get together and have their own banks. This is what we're going to need. And there's only one man who has shown a proclivity to think along those lines and has said, I want to work with other states to interpose against the feds. And I think that's a very big, strong degree of maturity while he's going to run for president. Because typically, if you run for president, a federalism message kind of like dampens the enthusiasm of your campaign. Because the point is, I'm going to make America great again. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, right? And I'm not just saying Trump, but everyone, that's kind of the message. Like, I'm going to fix everything. But here, you're basically admitting that the federal government is, is poison and we need to interpose against it. But I'm trying to fix it, right? Now, obviously, the two aren't conflicting because you could work at the federal level to devolve more power to the state. I think there's a lot of things that can be done. Like, this is the age-old question. Do we want to try to solve these issues that broadly, 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 in very superficial talking points we all kind of agree upon? Or is it about talking points as an end to itself? Is it about the grifting, the soap opera? No, I always thought, let's say Bill Gates and the WEF and all the masters of the universe would take a seven-day hiatus. And they said, look, we are going to just uh, give you the keys to the castle for a week. You could do whatever you want without opposition. The media takes a hike, the, uh, the, the, the Federal Reserve, the special interests. You could do whatever you want. So I have like a whole list of things I would want to do. You know, thinking of just, again, like the, the most 
force multiplying policies that could, you know, for the least impact or, or the least um, input and, and pain and capital you'd have to expend net the widest results and, and kind of remake our, reorient our society, our values, our economy, our liberty, and re-empower the individual, our people, our states, sh- re, you know, shift power away from the bad guys. And I'll tell you, all the people who are paid a hundred times, two hundred times more than I am to do what they're doing and have a much bigger name, bigger audience, bigger influence, I can tell you, they would have no idea what to do. They'd be flummoxed. You know what they would do? They would go on Twitter, go on social media, and so-called own the libs. Ha ha ha, we have all this power. Ha ha ha. Whatever take they have. And by the way, often, when you look at some of these people on the fake right, be it the establishment, be it the Trump establishment, which is more or less the same thing, there are always personal moral issues with a lot of those people in their personal lives. So recently, someone that surprised me started shilling for Trump like unbelievably. And then I just found out he was a philanderer. It's like every one of them seemed to have moral issues. Since when did we become okay with that? Again, this is not synonymous with saying, I'm going to let the Democrats win if there's a Republican nominee who was unfaithful to his wife. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the fact that this entire movement has become so desensitized that they almost glorify it. You know, a lot of people are upset with DeSantis kind of like with a tinge of sarcasm saying like, hey, you know, I got to study up on this. I'm not such an expert on paying hush money to porn stars. And everyone is really offended by that. But I'm just saying like, yeah, we all get that that's not the point with the prosecution and whatever. Yeah, we, we, those of us who long before Trump understood that January 6th was about all of us and not just those people and cared about them when Trump left them out to dry. Yeah. We, we understand that. We don't need to be lectured by, this is not about Trump. This is about all of us. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. For you, it is all about Trump. We, we get it. You don't. Because we, I've been pushing interposition on this and trying to push legislation in states to say if a J6er is not charged with a felony, they can't be picked up, different things. Again, these are going to be tough, and you need a lot of states to do this at once. For, for it to really work, to have a realistic expectation. But we've pointed to that. I don't need to be lectured about it. But it does matter broadly in other contexts. It does matter. The fact that we've become so okay with this. And it, it was so funny. So Trump threw in there like, you one day DeSantis might be falsely accused and you might ha- have this problem with you. And he puts in parentheses, so he says, by a woman, get accused by a woman or a man. And I was thinking like, yeah, only you would have a mind like that. You who just hosted a freak drag show uh, Mar-a-Lago event, literally celebrating the passage of that bill that we tried to fight, mandating gay marriage on the states. Do you know that? Like, we're okay with that. We fought in the trenches on that. It's not just like, okay, you can have gay marriage. In a blue state. They mandated it on red states. And he celebrated it at Mar-a-Lago. And we're all fine with that. 
And it's funny, like, I, I see all over Twitter, like, there, there's these Trump people. Again, they're horrible human beings. I think DeSantis is gay. I'm like, wait, okay, let's just indulge that for a minute. But you're not, you have no problem with Trump's embracing of gay marriage. Like, you have no problem. Like, that's totally fine. It's just so bizarre. They literally try to project on everyone else what openly applies to Trump a thousand times. Like, I don't think DeSantis was tough enough on COVID. Um, what? And, 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 and your man? I don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. I didn't have time to get to this, but, um, Zero Hedge has a great, um, article, FedNow instant payments are coming and central bank digital currency will follow. They now have this central portal that they're working on, um, this FedNow, um, the first week of April, the Federal Reserve will begin the formal certification of participants for launch of the service um, to prepare sending live transactions through the system. This is, I'm just telling you, this is coming. We need an answer. End the Fed, crush the Fed, and save our sovereignty. Substance over soap opera. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. 